previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. I actually discovered Resident Evil in the Spice Girls and NSYNC era known as 1988. <laughs> Go power! <laughs> so it's kind of nice that they paid it almost like a tribute, if you like, by doing one shot. I'm not allowed yeah. to talk about car and motorcycle manufacturers in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, not that, not that story. Second place, it's Batman with three. He's like, a pain no, silence. No. Never ever played Code Veronica Battle again. <gasps> oh, wow. Okay, that's a shocker, even for me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Project Umbrella podcast, a podcast more appetising than a Baker family dinner. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Let's see who's on today's podcast. He's been rebooted more times than the T-Virus has been leaked. It's Batman. Hello. He's still recovering from Endgame, but joins us tonight. It stars Tyrant. Uh, hello. Who knew his country's music scene fits so well with Kajuju? It's Rombi. Hello. And finally, we have a very special green-filtered guest joining us for this podcast. <laughs> it's Sunny Bauer. Well-known contributor and Biohazard fan. Biohazard streamer and hero of Raccoon City. Creator of the Canon Ending Project. With over 500 followers on Twitter. From New Jersey, USA, the boss, Sonny Bauer. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. So coming up on today's podcast, we are celebrating 10 glorious years of Resident Evil 5. Alternatively, we'll be celebrating 10 dark, damp years of Resident Evil 5. That's entirely up to you, how you see this pioneering game. Before that, however, we will negotiate the news, covering all things Biohazard, before finishing off with this podcast edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. So without further ado, we'll start with the news... There's not been a huge amount of news since our last podcast, which of course featured Kat, and I'll take this opportunity just to quickly thank her once again for her time and commitment to our podcast. It was great to speak with her, and we hope everyone enjoyed her 
uh, inner workings with Capcom. And just a brief aside, um, as of the date of recording, she has actually been at Capcom one year today. She has, so that's, everyone that's extend their congratulations. Yes. Congratulations, Cat. So the only bit of news really is an ongoing promotion of the Switch releases uh, is heating up, and the Facebook page of Resident Evil Games is promoting all the Switch releases with what DLC is available for uh, RE0, I think, came out today, showing everything, including the Wesker mode, will be available, and the RE0 N64 edition costume as well. So we're only a few weeks away from that, so hopefully any Switch owners there will be getting ready to download those games. Site news, however, we have quite a lot. As you should have discovered from our Facebook page, we now have a Discord server, and we are actually recording from the Discord server uh, this evening. It's an open invitation, so everyone and anyone is free to join. If you scroll back down on our Facebook news feed, you should be able to find the invite, or just send any of us a message on Facebook, and we'll fix you up with that particular invite. Benefits of Discord are that we now have quite an active little community going, and so far it's going quite well, with lots of discussion points, including from you, Sunny, as well you've contributed quite a lot i try <laughs> and uh, there's lots of different subgroups you can um, communicate with we've we can talk about the law talk about the podcast keep up to date with the podcast news we've also got topics on the streams that we're doing general resident evil news post your resident evil collections uh, and other features that we've got coming out in due course and if anyone um, wants the link quickly and they are on twitter it's the pinned tweet on the project umbrella podcast twitter account there we go Thank you, Stars Tyrant. Next bit of news, myself and Rombie say hello. Hello. We've st- <laughs> we started preparation of this podcast by going back and doing a co-op adventure in Resident Evil 5. For me, this is the first time doing such things, crazily as connecting to the internet and playing online, but we got through it. (laughs) And you can show how we ended up. So part one is now uploaded on our YouTube page, and that goes up to the end of the Ndesu boss fight. Part two has been recorded and will be uploaded shortly, and that goes up to the uh, discovery of... We just got into the temple. We just got into the the temples. You you will see that I haven't played this game a lot over the years, and it took a while to get used to the controls. I think I got to chapter two without realising there's a reload button or reload (laughs) function. Uh, I I kept going, why isn't there a reload button? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I got lost in Kajuju. Uh, we died multiple times, but mainly down to the fact that we we're playing on the PlayStation 3, so we were experiencing lag because yeah, I'm based in the UK. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, you're in I, I, other I, side of the world. Other side of the world. Yeah. And to be fair, as well, like the business, I keep saying a million times over the PS3 version has bigger lag issues than any of the later versions. They've somehow fixed some of the QTE issues. Yes. And your sister rang too. And my that sister was, rang. That, was, that was the best part for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, professional streamers out there, do not worry. There's nothing to fear from our little adventure, but it's been a great bit of exploration in the online world. So, if you are interested in that, check it out on our YouTube channel. <laughs> oh. 
I hope everyone had a very happy Gaiden Friday. <laughs> it was certainly the highlight of my Easter. Good Friday saw the release of my Resident Evil Gaiden editorial. Following in the uh, shady footsteps of my confidential report editorial, I dig deep on this often forgotten Game Boy Color classic in inverted oh, commas. Boy. <laughs> well worth a read. There's nothing groundbreaking here. Don't expect me to suddenly uh, produce this magical and mythical document to confirm its canonicity. Far from it. But what it does do, uh, I hope, is a thorough examination of the storyline, which, uh, as it happened, made the ending more complicated than perhaps most people thought. But there is quite a lot of detail in there. We've got some quotes from uh, recent interviews from Tim Hull, who is the who was the one of the game's producers because he did it for Retro Gamer magazine, and. And it kind of puts everything in one document and you can make your own mind up as to whether you think it's canon. So that was an interesting project and that's ready to download. The link's on our Facebook page. You might have to scroll down a bit to find it. And um, that's uh, ready to download for your reading pleasure. This was then followed up with my attempt at streaming. I had warned people that streaming and twitching was contagious and thus proved to be the case. So the best laid plans and all that, I was supposed to just do a stream of the ending just to try and highlight the controversial nature of it. Now, that didn't go to plan, um, as with most things <laughs> on the uh, <laughs> that we do. That didn't work. I did a kind of test run and uh, got to the final boss and aside from not being able to kill him, it suddenly glitched and not only did it stop that current game, it also wiped out all the save files so I wasn't even able to just have another go at it. So the stream was originally cancelled and then I had some interest in why don't you start again so I thought, sod it, let's have a go. And so I apologise for people watching who have endured what can only be described as a tolerable soundtrack after about five minutes and then it becomes insufferable (laughs) (laughs) oh boy it is it is so we've kind of got it on in the background and there are some interesting tunes going on you've just got to filter that noise out but uh, so part one and now part two is uploaded Um, part two will be uploaded to YouTube fairly shortly so you can see how I get on board rescuing Leon Kennedy as I say it's so technical it is an off screen stream literally showing my television operating uh, Gaiden on a big screen so again proper twitchers and streamers have nothing to fear I feel like we're like the top gear of Resident Evil streaming like ambitious but rubbish yes (laughs) the old top gear by the way exactly let's stream Resident Evil Gaiden how hard can it be well look what happened the Gaiden podcast exactly Uh, so yes enjoy that uh, and I'll try and do that on a weekly basis so by the time this comes out we could already be up to part 3 so we'll see The final bit of site news is the ongoing uh, law streams, which are far more technical, from Batman, where he's uh, going through revelations. As of today's stream, we are now up to chapter 4, I believe, with the encounter of Monster Rachel and the uh, Raymond uh, encounters as well. So if you haven't got a clue what's going on in Revelations, and let's be honest, it's not the easiest game to actually follow within the mm. game itself. It really is a must-watch. Batman knows too much about this game, so um, he can explain to you in his dowsit tones and guide you through exactly what's happening at any given point, and obviously spoiling it, but it helps that you have the spoilers, and then it obviously contextualises everything 
everything as we go along. Uh, that's also on our YouTube page. So lots to catch up on. We've done quite a lot actually since the last podcast. So I hope everyone's been enjoying it. And uh, just keep an eye on the Facebook page, Twitter feed, and now Discord for any upcoming streams and features and comments as well. So that does conclude the news. So our main focal point of today's podcast is a retrospective and happy birthday look back at Resident Evil 5. Preparations are almost complete. Then we can leave. Good. You know, I was surprised Las Plagas was such a success. When you first arrived, I had my doubts. And now Uroboros is complete. Your position at Tricell is secured. Oh, I have my eyes set on something much bigger. You'll be needing a partner, right? Someone suitable to join you in your new world? I believe I've proven I'm worthy. It appears your old friend, Chris Redfield, has come to pay you a visit. Do I sense concern? The plan is in its final stages. I will not tolerate delays. So we have all been replaying this game as it passes 10 years old, one of the most anticipated games of a generation until it was ruined by a certain website. It continues to divide us fans to this day. <laughs> oh. Are we actually starting on that note? Really? <laughs> is that not a fact, gentlemen? Uh, it is a fact. It is a it fact. Is a fact. Historically, I've not been a fan of Resident Evil 5. Stars Tyrant has loved it. Most of us have appreciated the encompassing storyline, bringing Resident Evil 4 in particular back into the kind of main series timeline and seeing everyone from Chris, Wesker, and even the big cheese himself, Mr. Spencer, finally turn up on screen. But it got so much wrong too. Has time been a healer? Let's find out. So I thought we could start by everyone giving an overview of their kind of long-standing views of Resident Evil 5 and where they see it in the overall picture and we'll then dig a bit deeper into some of the other elements. So we'll start with our guest, Sonny. What's your view? Oh, oh boy, what's my view? Uh, back in 09, I remember being excited seeing all the trailers and uh, and finally when the game came about, I noticed that something's changed from the earlier uh, trailers to what we got in the finished product. So I was playing it um, for eight hours straight with uh, my best friend at the time. And I remember that by the end of it, uh, we had grown so frustrated with how over the top it was. 
with the action, and he couldn't button mash Sheva to have her climb over the pit of uh, lava at the end. He kept falling in and falling in and falling in. That he finally threw the controller across the room in anger. Oh. <laughs> and basically, uh, from then on, I had to finish the game by myself <laughs> on on one player. And uh, and we got to the end, and I just remember at that early point. I didn't find myself enjoying it because of what Resident Evil had become at that point. I did enjoy the Chris uh, Chris being in it and Wesker being the villain and Jill being in it as well. But overall, uh, I, I never was a fan of like, you know, what Resident Evil had become, you know, starting with four. So I had a problem with that now. As time went on and, and as I sort of actually did things like listen to the to your podcast and learn a lot more about lore and, and story. And, and more recently with this, uh, this playthrough with the no color filter, I think in general, I've, I've grown to appreciate it more, but I've, it's not without it's like, you know, my disagreements still, there's, there's still certain things in the execution of, uh, the plot and some character stuff. Uh, I guess maybe an aesthetic more than anything else, but the overall story surrounding it and the lore surrounding it is is very rich. And uh, and I have to I have to give it you know give credit where credit's due on that. So to try and stay brief, that's sort of my history with it right now. Okay, uh, Star Stone. Well, I mean, it's no secret that over the years I've, I've been one of the sort of flag wavers of the game really and when it first came out I found it an effective damage control from where Resident Evil 4 had put the series and I found it was um, the game that really put the storyline back on track and I found the game to be less tedious to play and a genuinely fun co-op experience when I say tedious I mean with regards to Resident Evil 4 which I think has a lot of action fatigue to it as good as you know sections of it are. In recent years I still admire what it did for the story I think there's some absolutely genius things to it I think games like Revelations 2 in their own ways you know add to it because I honestly never thought we'd get the Alex Wesker thing continued and in a sense resolved so it's always going to be a special place in my heart because you have to bear in mind you have to rewind the clock all the promise of Code Veronica and the Chris and Wesker conflict we had to wait nine years for that and that was a long time in Resident Evil you know so in a sense it gave me everything that I wanted from that sort of Chris and Wesker conflict. So, yeah, it was still a special experience for me. Rumby? I was thinking back to, like, the original trailer and kind of just, that was quite a change. Like, obviously, the daylight thing and so I think everyone was quietly anticipating and obviously coming off the back of how successful Ford being. As the actual game came out, obviously, one of the things that we've talked about previously that happens a lot with Capcom is obviously releasing trailers that show way too much. And I remember that being quite a big disappointment, along with the aforementioned uh, site leak. <laughs> um, uh, the thing was, that I, and I think I talked a little bit about this on the stream too, Nick, that we've been doing, is that I remember when it came out, it actually launched the same day as Silent Hill Homecoming. And I remember picking both up on the same day. And I started Resident Evil 5 first, because I was obviously much more excited about that. And yeah, I remember putting it down after I played it quite a bit for the first day, and then kind of was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, it's it's good. <laughs> but it's something I can't tangibly put my finger on that's not drawing me in. And um, I actually gave it a break for a few days, tried a little bit of Silent Hill, which I didn't like anymore, a much worse of a game, and then finally came back to 5 and was like, all right, no, I'm starting to gel with this, and kind of blasted my way through the rest of it. And in the end, I really enjoyed the game. It actually ended up being the first game I ever fully platinumed on 
the PlayStation because I just I did actually enjoy it. I ended up playing the co-op just to try the co-op experience, and much like Sean has said, you know, it was actually a pretty good co-op experience, especially for the time. Visually stunning, like the cutscenes were just amazing, very well done, and they still hold up pretty well today. I think just action choreography-wise, it's very cinematic and it's probably still one of the highlights the not just the franchise but in gaming cutscenes in general they're very well done yeah and i think maybe once the gold edition and the dlc was added and i actually sat down and played everything it kind of solidified as a much more solid sequel than i perhaps had even given it first credit the downfalls if i if there was a part that i also wanted to kind of think about when i first think about it as its legacy is exactly kind of like what sean was saying which is the story which is great it actually you know, brought the story back in line but it also kind of opened it to such a wide new arc almost and then obviously a lot of implications of some of the sections of the game that they thought were successful led to the path of where six went and that way it kind of had sullied i guess the way that five was approached because we have a driving section oh well let's do more driving sections we've got an on-rail shooting session let's do more on-rail shooting sections so that's how i've kind of my introduction batman similar views yeah, I look back on it fondly. I remember the Tokyo Game Show 2008 trailer and the Playing God trailer that generated so much hype. And those were my favourite times in the community. The build-up and speculation to this game was quite electric. And obviously, the RPD dispatch was going strong at the time. And it, you know, you could hear the enthusiasm of the guys on there talking about it. And I managed to source a, a modified machine off a friend at work, so I could play the Japanese version when it came out a week before it did in England. I remember doing an all-nighter on it and I had to do quite a long car journey to pick up that machine and I remember driving back just distinctly feeling I've never been so excited to play a game. <laughs> I mean, this was the pinnacle of being a Resident Evil fan, you know, this was the culmination of the story, you know, the progenitor virus, Spencer, Umbrella, Chris and Wesker, all that stuff. So I sat up all night playing it and I think I'd built it up too much in my head because my initial feeling was that of disappointment. But I have defended the game more than most. I still think it's an excellent Resident Evil game. Back then it was almost at the top of my list. But subsequently, I think games like Resident Evil 7 and Remake 2 have overtaken it in terms of being just basic, enjoyable Resident Evil type games. I mean, I picked up the HD version and it's got to be said that the game still looks absolutely stunningly gorgeous, even today. But the controls don't half date it. I think it was the last Resident Evil game where you couldn't move and shoot and some of the other sort of analog stuff you know in the strafing thing they introduced it was all it's just it's a little bit awkward to control i think which is is what's dated it a little bit but i still enjoy the game i don't play it much these days but i'll i'll always defend it as as one of the better titles in the series i think it does get treated extremely harshly so this is where my view my view comes in i'm afraid i am one of these people that really didn't like it at all my view's been changed somewhat thanks to a uh, fellow member rob because prior i've only ever played it single player and Resident Evil 4 I found to be a really enjoyable game and I, I think it quite rightly is heralded as one of the greatest games and it's usually top 10 isn't it one of the greatest games ever and that kind of thing and I think absolutely and it totally reinvented the series and so forth a lot of people said that Resident Evil 5 is exactly the same as Resident Evil 4 I don't think it's a smoother experience than Resident Evil 4. I felt that 4 played better. Perhaps it's just the hardware, I don't know. It seemed more intuitive in its controls and so forth. So I never really got on with Resident Evil 5 as much. And in single-player mode, I found it tedious, repetitive, and quite boring. 
at times. The storyline was great, and we'll, we'll touch upon that, but the fatigue set in significantly sooner than it did than, say, Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4, I think, generated more of that tension and that unparalleled fear that you got in the game, whereas Resident Evil 5, for me at least, felt a bit more fabricated. Saying that, playing it co-op really does show the game in a completely different light. This game was clearly intended to be co-op from the very beginning, and um, I have to say I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the game in the same sort of way that I enjoyed the single-player Resident Evil 4. And I can see the benefits of doing it, and even if my hand has been held a bit by Rob, which is, which is perfectly acceptable, because we are going on normal mode, folks. Yeah, it's not easy it mode. It doesn't help that I, I accidentally left infinite ammo on for that first <laughs> section. That too. <laughs> but it's a game that I think is designed to be two-player, and I, I think I did play a bit of local two-player when it first came out, but um, it's very hard to get someone dedicated to do it for eight, ten hours of the, of the entire game. So I've seen it in a slightly new light. I'm still quite critical of a lot of the game. I still find it far too action-heavy, not enough exploration, and I still loathe the fact that you can't go back, and it is just point A to point B. Resident Evil 4 didn't do that as much. But as a co-op experience, and I don't have a lot of co-op experience with other games, I have to be said, I don't know many people, but it is a genuinely fun experience. And so I think for that reason, it's a good, solid entry. So that's how my views change. But um, from a single player point of view, I'm still a bit unsure on the game. So I think what we've collectively agreed upon is that the story, the overall story, played a huge role in this game. And now we've had the benefit of subsequent releases, and Sean's already mentioned Revelations 2 and 6. How does the the encompassing storyline slash umbrella art play out now? How does it still feel a perfect ending to the, the kind of umbrella arc? Does it feel a bit more disjointed now with what's come afterwards? How does everyone feel about the, the kind of long-term impact here that it's had? I think the most tragic thing that the game did, or, or rather I don't think it's a tragic thing, I actually think the series needed it in a sense, was the removal of Albert Wesker. You know, as much as I said I'd waited nine years to see that conflict continue I was sort of quite happy they used the opportunity to finish it and I thought they were going to go with a bold new direction with regards to a villain unfortunately the removal of Wesker's left such a void in the series that all Capcom seemed to want to do is to just chase that character in one guise or another whether it's through a son in Jake or a detached sister if you will in Alex it's clearly something that Capcom cannot get over and you know, still the debate rages about the executive and umbrella court. But I just think, yeah, in terms of like its legacy on the series, I think, you know, games like Revelations 2 contribute well, but the death of Wesker has just left Capcom a void they just can't seem to get out of their system. And I think that will, will be telling in terms of where it goes as well. Sonny, you were mentioning about the progenitor virus. This was the, obviously, progenitor had been one of the main uh, viruses, albeit in the background, since the very inception of Resident Evil 1, albeit as a clay virus or whatever you want to call it. So it's mm-hmm. always been lingering there in the background. And this was the first time we actually started to see what the effect of progenitor would be. And you've been critical that that particular story element was somewhat subdued by the Plagas. 
Yeah, um, it's interesting because the progenitor, you know, yeah, like like you said, it's been all throughout the series. You know, it gave birth to every other subsequent virus, TG, you know, every, everything that's come after it. And what I think when um, RE4 came out, which seemed to have been sort of like a soft reboot of the series in general, the introduction of the Plaga and, and what it does at its most... I guess it, it's it's most dominant has very similar aspects of the progenitor virus, you know, such as like the super strength and speed, and you know, and to go even further, it has immortality. I'm not sure anything at that level yet in the series, but uh, very similar stuff. I mean, when you see Krauser and Sadler and RE4 with the super speed. And that's when I thought that Wesker's virus was a progenitor virus. It's an experimental T. But I kind of likened the two of those together. And I'm like, well, this is just too similar. And now with the subsequent, um, I think, I don't know if it's just textures. I, I forget if it appeared in a game or not. But you, you sort of see the plug, uh, what, fossilized in RE5 yep. So the fact that you would put the two together or that possibly one gave birth to the other, I just think it kind of cheapens the uniqueness of what progenitor is, except for the fact that one's a parasite and one's a virus, but they both seem to have similar properties. And that's why I don't really like to subscribe to the Plaga. I know Batman is a defender of the Plaga and th there's a lot of great lore attached to it and stuff like that. But I wish that they had kind of just sort of, if they were going to do another parasite, they just furthered the research on like the nemesis parasite and not to go too far into like, you know, like ORC territory, but like seeing something like, like they had like the nemesis bait Mm. in that one i would have liked to have seen like more exploration with something like that because the nemesis virus kind of connects to five anyway uh you know with jill being infected with the, with the nemesis t and uh if you actually take the filter off the game and you verse the uroboros the tentacles are actually a purplish color uh not like the black that we see with the filter on so that to me kind of harkens towards like the nemesis tentacles from three so that's just me sort of putting pieces together and I don't like to see things repeat too much, but that, that's kind of like my view on progenitor preserving its uniqueness. That's really all I could say about it right now. <laughs> Batman, do you have any comments on the, the lore of the Plagas and the progenitor there? Well, I was happy with the new progenitor story they introduced for 5. I didn't like the original idea they had for the beta versions of Resident Evil 4 with the ancient human they'd found on the island and all that stuff. I was quite interested with its origins from this flower and the stuff about the Plaga, yeah, I do like the Plaga simply because it was a refreshing introduction for me at the time of Resident Evil 4 rather than having just another virus. The idea of a parasite, I mean yes it's it's grossly exaggerated, probably too much and that's what spoils it a bit, but it's sort of based on real science, there's lots of real world parasites that do similar things, it's just exaggerated and that took me back to the core concept behind the T-virus in the original game. It was based on real science but just a, with a what if science fiction twist and that's what made it good because it was semi-realistic you know compared to what we get now with C-virus and T-rex tyrants and teleportation <laughs> and all that stuff sure <laughs> the stuff with the Plaga and the mural I mean we talked about the murals you can find in the game years ago on, on the original Project Umbrella forums and the idea that Plagas originally came from Africa rather than Europe and it's an interesting theory that yeah if these parasites did become infected by the virus and that's what gave them these extreme mutation properties then I can go with that but I still see where Sonny's coming from. But personally, I don't have a problem with it. I, you know, I think Las Plagas is a good addition to the law. 
and Progenitor, the way they've handled it, the way that Spencer kept it a secret and stopped every man and his dog getting hold of it, I thought it was really well handled in Resident Evil 5. There are some big questions, though. I have to be honest, I'd assume that Wesker was essentially uh, injected with the Progenitor virus. The kind of files hint that only special adapters would be able to grant him the sort of powers that you see. Of course, that semi-ties into the Umbrella Chronicles file with the mutation stocks. I don't like to subscribe that it's an experimental team. But no, I don't. I prefer to be of the view that it's just the Progenitor virus. Yeah, me too, because what's the point then? What's the point of uh, Spencer's speech and everything like that? Is it just supposed to be an implication that it's an extension of his plan and that it turned into an experimental team, which is still progenitor-based? But for me, I always thought that they should have went full-on progenitor with Wesker, but I know that there's like other material that uh, does away with that. I think the issue is, I mean, obviously that was Spencer's goal. You know, he wanted to lead a race of progenitor humans, but because the virus was so lethal, you know, it killed everyone. The ancient Endipire Eld. That's why for me, from I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, that's why it would have made Wesker such a special case. You know, I, I understand, like, you know, to try and weaken it with the T-virus and stuff, but then I feel like it sort of weakens what makes Wesker so special and how he's, like, literally the only one, maybe with his circumstances with the tyrant sort of killing him and the progenitor doing its work, you know, to, into reincarnating him or whatever. But it would have made such a unique and special case for that. Mm. And to, for it to be just an experimental T because it weakens, you know, progenitor to be less lethal, it just sort of, I don't know, like, to me, it would just kind of, like, water that down. For all we know, though, he could yeah. adapt to the progenitor virus in his pure form. I mean, if anyone in the series could, it would be him. Mm. Right. There's still a necessity for a weakened progenitor variant, because it was a bit like the tyrant problem. You need to create a way around it so more people can become tyrants, so more people can adapt to progenitor and become these meta-humans, or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, because I, I don't think anyone in, injected with... Because uh, it's been dubbed T. Wesker, isn't it, just for argument's sake? So, right. Um, anyone injected with T. Wesker wouldn't then automatically survive a death event. I think it's still implied that they would need to have the Wesker children genes in order to do so. So Wesker comes back after his impaling by Tyrant with fully regenerative powers, if you like, in what we see. But even on Alex Wesker, that doesn't work. And when she injects it, she just becomes ill and slowly dying. Well, we, we don't know if she became ill because of that virus or if she was ill beforehand. I actually subscribe to the theory that she was ill beforehand and that's what causes Spencer to tell her about her origins and put her in charge of the project because he realises because she's got this illness she probably won't make it as a proper candidate because if she was just a normal candidate like Wesker who knew nothing about it I don't understand why she would be in charge of the project in 1998 True. And I think it's been, yeah, it's because true. she had this illness and she subsequently took the experimental virus that she didn't gain powers, she just survived it. But there's no way to know either way. She could very well have developed the illness afterwards, but we just don't know because there's nothing mm. telling us. Yeah, nothing's explained, of course. But we know also ah. we are going a bit off-piste, but because she's obviously infected with T-Phobos as well, and normally T-Phobos kills women outright, as far as I know, it's only when she experiences fear right at the very end, which is why she mu then mutates. We are digressing, we are digressing, but it still ties in with five. Rombie, um, your views on the kind of the story elements of this game and how it's kind of held up. I was just thinking back to the start because obviously it's quite fresh when we when we were replaying it, and I, I kind of want to change tangents on the um, 
obviousness of the bird lady, um, which to me, and I kind of have not really thought too much about it, but you mentioned it. Um, you get these flashbacks, obviously, of what happened with the Spencer Mansion. And as much as I really like the DLC, I almost feel, and I did actually agree with you, and I just wanted to bring this up, that perhaps the Lost Nightmares, or at least the section without the basement, could have been a playable section at the start of the game. Uh, kind of a, a precursor to what happened setting up the events of five and it wouldn't have changed the thing about how that game set up because yeah as, as it stands the who that is is quite overt anyway but i i was just thinking about that in general to the story as well like it's kind of like one of the things that i like about it but at the same time it's kind of so hokey and terrible at the same time because it's just justification for more motivation for chris when you'd think already a biohazard outbreak already is and what's happening with the bsaa team members and all this sort of stuff it's definitely a different um type of game at that point too even thinking about the history like it's one thing to say this has got a lot of narrative threads that are kind of tying up a lot of other things from the history of the franchise which is definitely the case obviously but it's also trying to create a much bigger scale to things at the same time obviously having different branches of the bsaa and um, the sorts of events that are happening worldwide obviously putting it in africa and and so forth it's it starts to unravel this idea of a very much more globalized event even outside of what Resident Evil 4 had done which in some ways while it was still in Spain felt much more isolated basically because it felt like it was a community cut off from the rest of the world here this felt like it was inclusive of something more in Africa and especially given the size and scope of the environments you're obviously covering a quite a large amount of space it's kind of interesting looking at especially now looking back at it and seeing where the franchise kind of went afterwards as well. The scope of the story is both quite large and very insular to do with the whole Wesker Chris thing as well at both the same time. And, and it juggles it surprisingly quite well, I think. Yeah, I, I take that point entirely. It is almost like a, a kind of staging ground for those two. It's a shame, and this isn't the fault of Resident Evil 5, and, and Stars Time was alluding to this earlier, it's a shame that they didn't actually follow through on all the potential opportunities that arose from the game, storyline-wise. So yes, Alex Wesker carried on, much to most people's surprise, but Tricell didn't. And I, I maintain to this day, and we've discussed it multiple times, how the lack of a you know discernible villain in subsequent games has really been uh, this kind of series downfall a bit. The game went out of its way to show the sinister operations of Tricell, the ambitious plans of Excella, and her mismanagement, if you like, of the African weapons division or whatever she was planning on doing, but how she still retained quite a separate view to that of Tricell. And of course, with Degeneration also showing Tricell looking to acquire the G-Virus, all the hallmarks were there of Tricell, and of course Resident Evil 4 tying in with S, Seashell, Tricell, it was all kind of building up to this is the new umbrella and everything was kind of going in this nice direction and then it was like, no, we're not doing that anymore. I think the problem is it was such a double-edged sword because essentially on the one hand, as you said, it's like here's a replacement for umbrella, but on the other hand, here's a replacement for umbrella. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels a little bit cheesy just to go, we killed off umbrella like so untactfully in four basically and then we quickly just turned around and replaced it with what is basically umbrella in all but name only and so i can kind of see also why they might have gone story long wise oh maybe that wasn't such a great idea like 
it is, and yet it isn't. And maybe great. Capcom is the rival company. <laughs> they want to resurrect Wesker, and the rival company wants to resurrect Umbrella as well. So it's like they're chasing all this stuff. Yeah, I was going to say the, the corporate espionage element, which you've touched upon in, in in that particular podcast, remained clear. They could have easily made Tricell the rival company mm. if they wanted to. You know, it, it may have messed up a yeah. bit, bit with RE4, but they could have easily said, "Oh, this is who Wesker's worked for after RE1." No questions asked. But they purposely didn't suggest that they had some more plans about perhaps rival company let's just call them HCF for the sake of argument HCF versus Tricell going into the future and both mm-hmm. were you know disposed of and it's a miracle we've got HCF come back but here we are and it just seemed a bit of like they had some sort of idea what they wanted to do and then quickly got rid of it in favour of the kind of bioterrorism which was which is fine this is kind of where I'm meaning like it's the scope and scale of things that don't quite they expanded so fast with it and you're right like we, we've talked about this previous as well is that we we don't have a concurrent villain that lasts more than a game we don't have a, an organisation that seems to expand very much beyond a reveal usually you get a bit of a reveal and a bit of information like you did with Tricent Generation then within one game it's come and gone who knows what this means currently obviously that this may actually continue in a, a multi-game arc but mm. yeah, this this escalating scale I mean we joked about it a little bit on the stream too but it's like there's this opportunity for seeing these squads of BSAA members in 5 yet every opportunity they turn up they save your button and they disappear again and you're left back with Chris and Sheva which in the gameplay content makes sense because you've obviously just wanting a two-player co-op thing it's not a team-based thing but in a story logical sense that makes no sense at all if you if you've gone through what is in the start of that game and all of a sudden you know josh comes in with the backup and saves your ass you're not going to ditch him and the rest of the team to go off by yourselves into the caves again that's that's ridiculous you you're going to stick together because that's what the squad will do they'll take things down as a group so this idea of scope is kind of all out of whack anyway and so i don't i think it goes back to what i was saying earlier on today which is that i don't know where capcom quite knew they had some semblance of an idea where they wanted this to go and it was quite an easy thing that they wanted to follow up from four but they didn't also kind of know what the franchise was or needed to be and where it was going exactly and no one had really mapped out that path i think if they had it would have been a much different resolve tricell probably wouldn't have disappeared so quickly um you know maybe even wesker wouldn't have been killed who knows? Like it, cha- it changed hands between our uh, four and five too. So there might have been sort of like a, a difference of like you know uh, you know creative differences. You you've know. got to think as well. You're you're completely right because you've got to think as well. Even when six came out, and you know the, the producer that worked on six was kind of like after five, like Oof, you know what do we do? Where are we going with this? Like you know, like yeah. the owner scope was outwards. Essentially, that's why six is such an absurdly massive global game. Is that where can you go from the events of five? escalation only gets bigger yeah i you know six could have been could have really been the finale the global outbreak you know happening in america and china and you know adonia and stuff like that they could have had all the characters like you know doing different things on different fronts but make it sort of like a reunion sort of like type of avengers type situation if you will and and they they honestly they honestly could have whether simmons was secretly alex wesker or alex wesker was working with simmons or you know something like that it could have been like the ultimate villain of the global outbreak and then our heroes have to like you know sort of combat against what's going on but we we got six 
you know, in the way that it was. So we would have loved to have seen a Wesker snap. I think Wesker still had one more game left in him after five. I know a lot of people at the time were saying, "Well, where else can you go with him? He's got to die because there's nothing else for him to do. He can't just sit on his throne with all his viruses laughing at people all the time." But six, <laughs> six should have been like you said. It should have been the ensemble game with Chris and Leon and Ada in particular taking down Wesker as a way to end the series and then reboot it or whatever. Do what you want. Yeah, and, and, and you guys have said it on the podcast, could have uh, ended that generation, and then the new generation could have been like, I'm not yeah. sure if you, if you still needed Jake, but you could have had like, you know, Piers and Sherry and uh, I guess Moira from Rev2, uh, you know, sort of picking up the mantle f- from where the past generation left off. You know, looking back at the overall story that I think Resident Evil 4, if we, if we cast our minds back, it felt so out of place at the time compared to the rest of the series. Everything had followed fairly, uh, gone along quite nicely, viral outbreaks, that kind of thing. And then Resident Evil 4 was so left field. Well, so much so that obviously, as I mentioned, the umbrella disappearance in the opening scene, that caused a massive amount of controversy as far as people's stability with continuity and and storyline went. They were like, hang on, wait, what? Like, this all happened off screen. That obviously ended up being changed you know, explained elsewhere in, in regards to having the extra chapter stuff with Wesker and Ada and obviously the extra stuff in like the like Chronicles games as well. So I think that shows you how much Capcom had thought about, oh geez, maybe we have to go back a little bit. Maybe, you know, Mikami had kind of rushed. Don't forget Simon Ada, of course, was in the original, so Wesker was always... Yeah, but it's not the same. It's, it's not. No, it's not it the same in more... separate ways. It's yeah, not, there's not a different way. story. My point was that we, we have to give a lot of kudos for the writers of five to actually bring that very much back into the fold i've said it to some of you but i know that i feel sort of a supporter of like you know their original ideas for the most part probably would have been the right way to go like with the betas they could have been bad games but with the way that the story was going obviously 3.5 was a lot more connected in terms of you know the release of four you could see obviously inklings of that returning in five because i guess they had to bring back like you know sort of like the, the central story points because spencer, four was spencer and things like that yeah. well, I was gonna say, exactly in some cases, quite literally too like you know the bits of um lost and nightmares that are related specifically to earlier versions of four like yeah well, Lost in Nightmares, of course, is a very special case. It's uh, heralded as one of the greatest DLCs of all time, I think, certainly within the uh, Biohazard community. And um, certainly within the, I don't know, our runtime of that created more story content than a lot of subsequent games. So uh, that part of the canon uh, remains very at the heart of a lot of fans. And I know, Batman, you particularly enjoyed the, the Wesker children element and how that obviously related to the overall narrative. I thought it was an interesting idea. We've talked already about how the entire game was spoiled by the website or whatever, but nobody knew about the Wesker children. That was that was just completely random. No one was expecting it. There was no hint of it. And at the time, I think it was put in there not so much as a story thing. I think it was put in there as an insurance policy because they knew they were killing off the main villain and this was just a way to keep Wesker relevant if they ever wanted to go back there. And subsequently, obviously, they did because they didn't know where else to go. But the- <laughs> I agree. Isn't there still one left that's still alive? No, I think that's just an Umbrella level 10 employee, apparently, Jenny K. Maybe just she's missing or something. Was there another Wesker? I can't Was it just the two? Hmm. Speculation about the original Wesker. That was it, that was it, yeah. Oh, but, but okay. We, we don't that's know, what it is. We don't know anything about him. He's probably long dead and gone now. 
Let's call him Clive. But I tell you, <laughs> for all the praise we're giving Resident Evil 5 story, a lot of it is in the background, though. I mean, the only time I've ever played mm. co-op was with a friend of mine who I used to go to school with, and he was very much into the series up until Resident Evil 3. You know, he played the original PlayStation trilogy, loved it, but then sort of drifted away. But he wanted to play 5 because he wanted to see the conclusion of the Umbrella Wesker storyline. So he played it with me, and we got up to chapter... 5-3 I think it is where you fight the second Ouroboros monster in the lab with the guy in the wheelchair mm-hmm. and we paused it at that point because he had to go and he turned around and he says I'm really enjoying this but what the fuck's going on <laughs> well th- that's why I said earlier I feel like the story is great but like you said it's in the background and that's why I have issues with the execution of the plot the inclusion of she- Sheva is wonderful she's a great character but because the gameplay forces you to, it forces her to be glued to Chris at all points because she's the other co-op playable character. So if it had been someone like Barry, if you will, like, you know, going after Wesker because this was it, or if they went with the original idea of Jill not being captured and it was her, I could understand more of the co-op sort of, okay, this is like the final confrontation with Wesker. But the single player to me, I felt would have been a better execution with the NPCs sort of coming and going and doing more story exploration and stuff like that. That's why I feel like with me, the some of the plot execution is just sort of off. There's a separation there. Mm. It's very telling that you have to have, like, obviously the loading screens give you like a history lesson and obviously that's completely readable within the menus of the game itself as if it's a reminder to catch people up who may have been, had missed some of the games or who'd only came on board at four and didn't know what any of this other relevant story was after playing four because obviously there was a lot of people that played four first and went, ah, okay, I don't know any of this stuff. What? Right. Who's Wesker? Like, who's... Blah, blah blah you know what what's umbrellas background like they didn't they just say at the start that they were gone like what's all this mean i think it was interesting bats you're, you're, you're spot on there it takes an awful long time before the game stops becoming self-contained up until that point it's all very much an outbreak in africa you know there's nothing to suggest a wider conflict you know is that potentially jill but then as i said it all then kicks off when uh, much later about chapter five you see I mean, I remember when I played it for the first time, I'd kept myself relatively spoiler-free as much as I could, but I was aware that there was only six chapters in the game. And the first couple of chapters I enjoyed, because it was all about your BSAA mission capture in Irving, which I quite enjoyed. And then after that was done, I thought, right, the plot's got to kick in now. And then we started going to, you know, the speedboat sections in the marshlands, and then we were going through tribal villages and appeared in crocodiles in swamps. And I'm like, well, what the hell's going on? We're just wasting time here. <laughs> And then you go to the ancient ruins, yeah. and, you know, it's chapter five by the time you get to the Umbrella Lab, and apart from a single cutscene, Wesker's not formally introduced until chapter five, three. I was saying this during our stream, but I know. Even, even Irving, you don't see him until you are outside, and you've seen him in a cutscene earlier, but you don't know it's Irving. They don't introduce him, that he's just a guy, but yeah. you've been told this is who you're supposed to be tracking down, but if you didn't know or didn't think about it, you wouldn't even connect those dots until he literally turns up and introduces himself, basically. And that's like by itself, like halfway through the second chapter, I think. So, like, even that's a very slow burn. There is. There's a lot of wasted time. I mean, for me, you could... The bit where you see Irving going through his briefcase and you see the map of the marshlands, I mean, really, that could have just given you the map to the caves where the lab is. 
and you could have bypassed the yeah, marshlands yeah. and all that stuff because it's just waste. You know, that's not what we're here for. <laughs> I think you said it for other podcast uh, bats and to Nick's point with backtracking, you could have made the public assembly sections a little bit longer and you could have done backtracking like through certain areas with that, maybe uncovering certain things, maybe almost catching Irving. And then you get to that point with the briefcase and once you cross that desert, then that could have, you know, led to, I guess, maybe sort of his resolution right before you hit the caves and not do the tribal villages or the, you know, the marshlands or any of that other stuff. Yeah, that would have been much better. It, yeah. It's funny, it's funny too, because uh, the other bit that I've kind of had completely forgotten about while I've been replaying it, and Nick will back me up on this, is that both of us have both been kind of going, oh, it's this bit of the game. I don't really like this bit of the game. <laughs> and then you get to the next bit of the game and be like, oh, it's this bit of the game. I don't really like this bit of the game. And then I then I start thinking, which bits of this game did I actually like? Like, I, I think I like this game, <laughs> but I didn't like the bit in the marshlands, and I didn't like the bit in the caves, and I didn't like the bit in the oil field, and I didn't like the bit with the boat and i didn't like and i'm like i really didn't like a lot of the game elements to this so much it's tedious like no I <laughs> this think is a lot of petting it's it the was... execution of the plot so many other things that they could have been doing but it was just so much dead air with we got to fight a bunch of you know magini and they did the history of the end of Pia with like like tried to show that they were regressing with the villages and stuff like that but you didn't need you didn't need that for a history lesson you could have just had the ancient ruins in the caves to do that yeah and, and i think when we played it we all enjoyed the environments but yeah we did start going through every, every scene going, no i didn't like this don't like the puzzles coming up don't like and uh, we, we've got awful things coming up including all the laser traps and I'm, you know and it's, and, it, and it's just like no and we were and i was starting to, i'm starting to panic it's like what part of the game did i like but i did really like the beginning part i really like okay. the kajuju setting and we, we mentioned it in our stream as well it's graphically gorgeous even though it's old it's you know it looks better than re6 and um the environments look properly lived in and having watched a couple of programs recently on tv it is really accurate as to the kind of infrastructure of that part of the world i go back to my earlier point as well about not being able to backtrack the inner resident evil fan in me wants to have a good mosey around have a good explore and see what i can see there's so much detail in a lot of these brooms and buildings you know there's signs to read and uh warn you know all sorts going on and you just don't have the time to do it yeah yeah it doesn't give you the opportunity and then you go okay I'll, i'll quickly come back and then it'll calm down I'll be able to have a look around in my own time no you can't as soon as you hit like circle to go to the next area that's it it's locked yeah that would have been the section to do it but then after you cross the desert I could understand yeah. push forward push forward push forward and in Resident Evil yeah. 4, you could go back, couldn't you? Because it kind of went, made you go in a big, giant circle with the village. In certain um, areas, you could, yeah. And, yeah. Like, there would be different hubs. It was the village, then the castle was kind of its own open thing, and then the island was kind of split into, like, two parts, kind mm. of. I always found that as a disappointing element, and um, it's a shame, because Kajuju itself, I think, is a great place. And you know, compare it to, say, um, Amparo, and Mixacotl, whatever it's called in Darkside Chronicles, which had a similar aesthetic. You know, there's no comparison. Mixer Cottle was boring as hell, but Kajuju had all sorts going on. I would still rather, rather controversially, traverse the marshlands and go through the caves than repeat another hour in the drab castle of Resident Evil 4. And then, you know, just when you're taken out of it, you're then taken back into it to fight, you know, ridiculous stone Salazars and things like that. You know, the marshlands is probably not the best of all the settings, neither is the caves, but at least they mix up the gameplay a little bit, for better or worse. The laser puzzles don't really work terribly well. The boat Uh. section is debatable whether it was needed at all, but 
at least it tries to mix yeah. things up a little bit more than just the next grey or brown castle corridor for the third hour. I went back and played four after I heard you say it on the podcast, Sean, and it is true. The moment that you hit chapter four, they've got like the fire breathing, like weird statue dragon things <laughs> in that one room. They've they've got the train carved, they've got the stone Salazar. I would say, like you said, strip all of that from the game, but just leave um Verdugo section in there in the underground. That was the only that's the only thing I'd leave in there. But yeah, I, I remember you saying that. And RE five, I would take the marshlands definitely there's some interesting lore in in the marshlands as well with the tribe and well yeah 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 yeah. I think important I, because that kind of hit, it was hinting at the um, the the progenitor more than anything else, wasn't it? The four, five, and six sort of over the shoulder trilogy. You know, they do have absolutely awful sections with like you know where you're having to traverse areas with turrets and things like that, or you know large laser Evans. traps. You know, like yeah. the chapter four two in RE five flame traps, as was mentioned in yeah. four. It, it, I won't lie, but it's false, and as you guys alluded to earlier, and I said this when Sunny and JC were playing through it, and John said it a few moments ago you wait the entire game to get to chapter 5-3 when the story kicks off and like literally like an hour later the game's over so they could have spread the storyline out the first part of it that I could see the, the appeal of it if there was more exploration, like we were saying, especially with like the ancient ruins and discovering Progenitor and doing more of the exploring in the ancient ruins uh, instead of the marshlands and getting the lore that we got from the marshlands in the ancient ruins to learn about the end of Paya and ultimately culminating in the discovery of the Stairway to the Sun, to me, could have been a stronger section of the game for the first part of the game after the the initial public assembly section and then when the story kicks in with the monarch room and wesker and then you know jill and all that stuff that would be the second part of the game i can't describe the feeling i mean i played through as i'm sure you most of you guys did i did the entire game in a single sitting the day it came out well that's tell a lie i got it a day early so i played like the first three chapters up to the marshlands and got up really early the next day and just played it till the end. When we got to chapter 5-1 and we got like the progenitor garden and we were going around the labs and there was hints of liquors crawling around and there were so many files, so many files. I never wanted that to end and I was really, really hoping it was going to push into that sort of direction. You know, and when it kind of forces you out of the labs into ridiculous rotating elevators, I was just like, can we just go back skulking around the labs and turning on old PCs? And, you know, because for certain sections, it's so great and so right. And I just feel like it was a side effect of it being co-op because it had to be more action. They said that they downscaled the puzzles or the exploration once they changed it to co-op. Mm. And, and and reading the art of RE5, you know, and seeing what the underground ruins could have been with more exploration, I was like, well, wow. Especially with the, the way that the settings looked and with the filter taken off, I was like, this could have been like a great, like, sort of Legend of Zelda section of the game. You know, it's, it's very atmospheric and it's very colorful. You know, you got a temple and there's like discovery and then you, there's some action sections, but it could have been... Yeah, I I just I'm always like gonna be that type, uh, you know, the what could have been. But seeing seeing the stuff in that book, I was like, I wish they did a lot more of that stuff. And just for people unaware, because we've been talking about Sonny's filter for quite a while, what he's directly referring to is that he had a stream of Resident Evil Five um, on Twitch 
with JC Wesker where they were able to remove the green filter from the game. Now you'll know that in Gold Edition and whatnot you can you can add particular filters um, to the game, make it more atmospheric and things like that, but there is a standard green filter within the game um, that gives it the, the aesthetic and Sunny, you've been able to remove that, uh, which really shows the difference in the colours that are used throughout the game So uh, and quite a lot of detail is lost in some particular areas, so it is absolutely worth checking out just how different some of the game look so in particular I think the beach scene with the boats looks very different uh, the progenitor itself the progenitor room the th- is notably different uh, and the flames are properly coloured <laughs> yeah with the green filter put on a lot of things obviously uh, you know tinted green but also there's a lot of like pale sort of washed out features uh, grays or whites pale yellows uh, if you will and when you remove that filter it's like night and day everything the colors of the rainbow are in that game mm. <laughs> you know and it's just i can't believe that it, you look you look at things and you're like i never would have thought that this was that color like the central orb uh in the first laser trap room i think is actually like like a purplish color with the orange beam coming down into it and i was like yeah you would never think that because the whole thing is like a pale yellow sort of whitish washed out with the filter on i don't know if they were going with a black hawk down sort of aesthetic with that Mm -hmm. they might have seen the movie and they wanted to go with sort of that uh look but to me it kind of looks like as if like uh radiation had washed over the game and you got green skies and sort of you know dull yellows like post-apocalyptic if you will like it just wastes all the assets because they're also colorful and so enriching looking with the filter off it's definitely a 2000s kind of thing to have that quite a green wash through and it still exists but definitely of the time yeah i mean we're not saying the graphics have changed it is purely the coloration tint. yeah the coloration so worth having a having a check out sunny where can people view these videos it is on twitch it's uh twitch.tv slash sunny underscore bauer uh you can view the streams there if there you so go. choose there we go end plug <laughs> and plug <laughs> <laughs> but yes well worth a, well worth a check so moving back to we're talking about the perhaps the lack of exploration gameplay flow with the gameplay flow yeah and having experienced a the, the kind of bitter disappointment with single player mode and I I don't think it's a particularly good single player campaign. Um, you get very frustrated with the AI and so forth. But it is, on a more positive note, as a multiplayer experience, I'm finding it extremely enjoyable and so perfectly suited to it. I think in two player mode, it better resembles that kind of fear tension that you experience in single player mode in RE4. People would agree with that? Hmm. Interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. That's just the way, because, you know, in 4, you've got that kind of, ah, you're kind of feeling slightly overwhelmed, there's all sorts coming at you, and, you know, you just want to kind of get away. And in single player, it's almost too much at times. Yeah. I guess I could see your point on that one as well. It's definitely tense. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's, like, as, as scary, but no, it, it's no, definitely it's tense. definitely tense, and it's like we're, we're blocked off. We can't go back through the door we just came through, and we got to get through here, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was exactly what I was about to say, Nick. Like, any bits that kind of just or one person has to do something while the other one kind of takes point and very well thought out and I mean it, it does go back to that idea that has been mentioned about the fact the game wasn't even intended to be co-op to begin with so the fact that it feels entirely like it was supposed to be just is pretty crazy like that's the one thing it's probably the most solid about the game is as a co-op experience it definitely feels like it was tailored as such I actually um, think um, to this day it's still one of the better co-op experiences 
I'd agree with that too. That's yeah. interesting. I have no experience with Kelp, so um, I'll be led by your expert views on the, such there, things. There are such niggly things. Like I think the whole passing items between characters is quite clunky, and that comes down to a lot of the inventory thing. You've said this too, Nick, actually, in our stream, but it's quite annoying that even in a single-player mode, but like the fact that you can't combine items on the fly when yeah. you're standing on them, that's extremely frustrating, and that makes it slightly more unbearable in co-op too, because when both players have got full slots, it's like, oh, Oh, I've got some shotgun shells here. Do you need some shotgun shells? No. Well, I do, but I can't fit them. Hang on, let me have a look at my inventory. Yeah. Uh, blah, blah blah. Oh wait, the shotgun shells have disappeared. Yeah, like... we've had all sorts of issues with inventory management, which, which is stereotypically a popular problem with Resident Evil. But Resident in co-op, it becomes co- slightly yeah. more frustrating, especially and, and... without being able to pick up and mix on the fly as well. And of course, Resident Evil 4 had such a great item management system. I still maintain it's the best one. Mm. It would have been wholly unsuitable in co-op mode. Excuse me, I need to quickly twist the shotgun so it fits you know, to the left-hand side. I'll put the egg down there and I'll put that up. <laughs> it, was all, it would have been totally impractical. Mm. Yeah, it is a inherently different beast. And I think going forward, if I were to play it again, I, I, I would strongly recommend co-op. And if anyone who hasn't played at co-op and i'm probably speaking out to george trevor here because i don't think he has and i know he's not a big fan of resident evil 5 i think for someone who shared his view give it a go on co-op i think his view will change it certainly has mine i think he lost his lighter in the mansion trying to find <laughs> his way out yeah no, it, no it's a, it's a great co-op experience i do, I do agree and I, I could attest to that but like i said the only gripe that i have with it is that i think it drove a lot of like the execution of the plot because it had to glue Sheva to you. And some of the more emotional moments of the game, had it been a different character, say like Barry, or had it been Chris by himself, like it could have been like sort of like an isolated type of moment. But the gameplay for sure is is you should play it co-op, you should not play it single player. Now an interesting element they kind of we'll move on to talk about the kind of lasting impact of the game generally was that time is a healer for a lot of these things and I remember very distinctly people not liking Resident Evil 4 as a Resident Evil game and then gradually over time there's been more of a acceptance and a lot of people attribute Resident Evil 5 for, as I said, kind of drawing it in. Then Resident Evil 5 came out and initially there's a lot of say, resentment but animosity should we say towards the game it didn't feel Resident Evil-y enough. Well, I was uh, going to say there's a simple answer to that and it's called Resident Evil 6. And I was going to say you can see history starting <laughs> to repeat itself and then we've got yeah. the re- revisionist history. Re- yes, that's oh, that's a wonderful term. Yes, love it. And yes, and then Resident Evil Six came out, and everyone was like, "Oh, actually, Resident Evil Five is not that bad at all." <laughs> and sadly, Resident Evil Seven hasn't done that. Hasn't been the benefit in kind for Resident Evil Six, but that's for a different discussion entirely. But do you think that because of Resident Evil Six's bloatedness, Resident Evil Five is now held up by the community more so than perhaps it was in the perhaps year or so after its release? I think it goes further than that. I think I think that time is a healer. I think the lore enthusiasts and, and the archivists who have brought out a lot more, like the community circulating and talking a lot more about, you know, and, and, and with Revelations too and with other maybe subsequent um, uh, material, but just translating other things that may not have been available. Just driving story of the game, I think probably healed it a bit 
you know, to take it away from the fact that maybe people didn't like it as an RE game, uh, gameplay wise, uh, if you will. RE6 being the answer to that, you know, yeah, I think you could probably just compare the two and be like, all right, but you definitely, you know, loaded or exploded, whatever you want to use for that. The other part of it as well, and this would be a good segue for Sean to maybe talk about is just the people that were already champions of the game, continuing to champion the game has been a huge thing. Like, it's very different when there's quite a diverse community about some games, but the people People that have been so happy with Five pretty much right from the get-go have been relatively quite passionate about it and not shy to be vocal about it because and not just because of what's came later but just because they generally think it's a good game and they go look you need to reevaluate it and then people do and they go you know what this wasn't as bad as i remember or they find like you have nick like the co-ops actually mm. how it should be played or they find something in it that they didn't realize was there and that doesn't hasn't happened with all the games in the franchise you couldn't expect someone to go and start championing survivor for its gameplay elements and you know is an overall good game for example and as much as we love it ourselves or dead aim you know it's definitely an acquired taste whereas five is supposed to be an approachable game and and it could be a really good way for someone to get in like we we are talking about how confusing the franchise could be if you haven't really kept up to date to that point but it's also a really good point where you could actually catch up on the franchise quite well and then start kind of playing the games around it in that era as well for that reason you guys are the reason that i purchased a copy of survivor Oh, good. By the way, to try to <laughs> listening to you guys. So uh, I, I could definitely see what you're saying there, uh, Rob, about, you know, the torch carriers and stuff like that. You got to be vocal about it and, and present it to the community. And it might change minds over time if, if you feel that strongly about something. I think um, one of the greatest shot in the arms the game has, and I think one of the reasons why people maybe do look back more favorably, is all down to a wonderful little piece of DLC called Lost in Nightmares. Yes. And I think that single piece of storyline and, you know, gameplay increased the value tenfold for the long term fans. It gave them something to really come back to. We had fixed camera angles. It's uh, it's a hidden hidden, the, the hidden one. We had it, a piano, you know, Moonlight Sonata being played on the piano. We had the Spencer mm-hmm. mansion. We had Spencer. It was all very fan service, but at the same time, it also introduced that significant level of lore behind it with the the Wesker children. Patrick, everyone loves Patrick Butler. Um, oh, what a great guy! Oh, what a, and also <laughs> and also the Blob characters were quite interesting. They're still a mystery yeah. to this day, really. You know, we we could still debate about what what virus are they are they similar to in the same mold of kind of lisa trevor they have you know that kind yeah of, so there's also there's all sorts kind of going on with that and i think sean your spot on that really did help at least bring back perhaps some of the disillusioned it's a shame co veronica didn't do the same eh batman oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know the interesting thing about something like lost in nightmares is it's like its impact is still essentially being felt even you know in recent years today because Anyone who's read, like, Heavenly Island knows that it directly ties in with Lost in Nightmares and it Mm -hmm. kind of bridges the gap between that and Revelations 2. And, you know, Resident Evil, we champion it so much and it's not celebrated enough, I don't think, for the fact that any new entry, whether it's a manga or in some ways the CGI movies, Vendetta aside, but they can all sort of complement previous titles, even if they're from way back. You know, we, we alluded to earlier that, like, the developments in the Plaga that you read about and, and whatnot, actually in, in Five's files, in many ways helped validate RE4 more as a game for me. It does, and, yeah. And this is a really, like, it, it's quite an impressive series that, like, a new title 
directly improves the one that came before it, even if it is in the most sort of disconnected, unrelated way it still manages to do it. So I think Lost in Nightmares is one of those, it bridged quite a few things together. It's fan service in the best way. It, it is, yeah. Even Spencer somehow got a keeper's diary to keep at his nightstand that <laughs> <Yeah>. night. <laughs> okay, so the I, I think that's a really interesting discussion. And what I want to finalize on, and I did warn people in the last podcast, is Wesker. Oh. Yeah. So we've already talked about that there is a Wesker shaped hole in the series going forward. Capcom themselves, I think, probably even by their own admission, have struggled to try and replicate his you know, popularity and that they've done all sorts with Alex Wesker and Jake Wesker and, and so forth. And there is the hope from some sections of the fa- of the fandom that Wesker will come back. And I think that's probably shared amongst everyone, really, that, that perhaps they shouldn't killed him. Should he come back? Then out came Umbrella Corpse, which, as Stars Tyrant famously said, was dead on arrival. We had... Uh... That's where Wesker should stay, a corpse. <laughs> so Flogging a dead corpse. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone in the know, sorry, anyone who isn't aware... There is some Wesker dialogue. Now, I want to hand over to Batman to explain in detail precisely what we have in Umbrella Corpse and um, how that relates to, say, RE5 and and the overall narrative. Oh, we're not going there, are we? <laughs> Fucking hear this topic. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, John's going to look you. <laughs> as, as, long, as long as we don't start debating umbrella logos on crates again, we're all right. Is, yeah. A tri-cell on computer towers or whatever they were. Uh, yeah. This is more of a factual breakdown of what's in the game, what is discussed, and kind of how that impacts going forward. Well, first of all, Wesker is dead. He died in Resident Evil 5 in 2009, canonically. <laughs> he was given a purposefully exaggerated death, so fans would not speculate of his possible survival. That's why he, he sunk in lava, which is extreme temperature which is the only thing that can kill Ouroboros and for good measure he had two rockets that blew his head off as well uh, so you know you can't get much deader than that and Capcom purposefully overplayed it to stop fans from coming up with suggestions that he might somehow have survived but anyway fast forward then they, then they regretted it yeah then they regretted it <laughs> and I will also point out that Capcom in their video diaries for Resident Evil 6 basically admitted that the whole Jake character was conceived because they did toy with bringing Wesker back but then realised there was no realistic way for them to do it so they just quickly binned the idea and created Jake instead. And then when Umbrella Corps came out they obviously had DC Douglas voicing the main character and he also does his Wesker voice for a character called the Executive. The Executive is the head of what we now know is potentially Blue Umbrella, because it's the same corporate organisation, just with different colours. The executive is mentioned in the single-player campaign called The Experiment. He's touted as someone everyone's extremely scared of. He's got a fearsome reputation. He knows a lot about Umbrella, and he was very interested in the Resident Evil 4 incident in the village in Spain, and the researcher mentions that the executive talks about it almost as if he was directly involved in that incident. So there's there's clear hints there that it is supposed to be Wesker, but the important thing is he's never named. It's just a very significant tease. But in the multiplayer segments, you do actually hear 
this character speak in, in his Wesker voice and chronologically if the multiplayer sections are canon they take place from depending on which game mode you select from 2014 right the way up to the end of 2016 so this is you know obviously a good few years after his death yet we hear Wesker speak but there's not much material surrounding Umbrella Corpse you know there's no developer interviews that talk about it at all and you know there's, it's, it's very difficult to judge whether this is simply an easter egg because DC Douglas did the main character voice that the the voice director wanted him to do a sinister voice for the executive so he just did his Wesker voice or whether it's a purposeful thing we just don't know but I can't believe if they were going to bring Wesker back they would do it in such a, an insignificant game as this I think that's been a sticking point is that it is so obscure it's not even in the main single player campaign so if they were to do it it does seem slightly odd but I think you've also mentioned before in the past that the Japanese version is different to that of the western release well there's no Japanese language pack and we all know the Japanese are much more consistent with their voice actors. You've had the same guy playing Wesker, the same guy playing Chris right throughout the series, so that would have been one way to answer the question, but there's no Japanese language pack in the game. So if you're a Japanese player who doesn't understand English and doesn't know who DC Douglas is, you will not know that Albert Wesker is in this game at all. Hmm. Consistency. Imagine. Yeah. (laughs) We're talking about potentially the biggest plot bombshell in the series history. They're not going to do it in Umbrella Corps. And... You know, if you ask a Japanese player, oh, have you heard Wesker's back in Umbrella Corps? You wouldn't know what the hell you're talking about. Because I've, I've looked at, I've looked at Japanese fan sites, I've looked at, uh, Umbrella Corps stuff on there, and there's no mention, there's no threads about Wesker being possibly alive. Because they're all, they're all clueless about it. Well, that's probably because most people are pretty clueless about the game, to be honest. have been brandished to the back of their mind. I took so long to buy that game because I I guess I, I gluttonly punished myself to have to experience it just because I'm a Resident Evil fan and it was just painful to play. It's so broken beyond repair. It's just, you can't. You can't play it as a regular game. I'm going to throw this out here. What if they do go down, and I'm going to say this because I want to refer to the movies, the horrible, horrible, horrible route that that last movie went where (laughs) people are doppelgangers or clones, and there's a real version of this character and the version and they retcon the version and five was not the real whisker like is that the point where everyone in, that we're we're currently all talking here all of us are like well that's it i'm jumping ship like yeah. <laughs> well, that, well that, the that, series that. definitely would have jumped the neptune <laughs> jump, <laughs> jump jump the shark yeah that, that, yeah if, if he comes back i'm done that, yeah that certainly would be it's been a, a pleasure doing the podcast with you gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> This is my final episode, I'm reviewing the game, and then I'm coming back. I think, though, narratively, it would be a terrible, terrible thing to do, just to bring him back again. It would be so bad. It would. Thank you, Batman, for clarifying that. Um, I know that was painful. So, um, (laughs) I think that it is very much a wait and see, and as you said, if they do bring him back, we um, will react accordingly. So what's that infamous thing you said about uh, the canon and, and the remake of 2? We, we won't know until we know, and then we'll know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 ha- wait, have, haven't you heard? Wesker is a staticky voice on Ada's Communicate. Oh. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, that's true. That's another. They do want to hold to that, I don't know, I guess theory, if you want to call it that. Or I think we can all probably agree that the executive is probably Clive, Clive Wesker. Who... <laughs> <laughs> he just happens to sound like Albert Wesker. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. If it turns out to be a canonical thing, then it's probably someone imitating him, similar to how Carla is able to pass herself off as Simmons in Resident Evil 6, you know, using that cube thing to make her look and sound like someone else. And I could imagine if Blue Umbrella does turn out to be the former remnants of the rival company, I can imagine someone ruling it, using Wesker's name, you know, using his reputation and his, you know, the, the fear that surrounds him to sort of keep everyone in check and keep him following him. What if it's an AI? Oh, it's very possible, yeah. But, you know, they make a big deal of nobody knows who he is, yet the key researcher tries to find out who this man is by getting the lock of his hair and running it through the DNA archives, and that's when he's murdered before he can get the results. But he mentions throughout that he has conversations with this executive guy. And we have other materials that confirm that Albert Wesker is quite famous throughout the world as this massive bioterrorist. Everybody knows yeah. what he looks like, and yet you're seriously telling me that employees working under him in, in his own organisation doesn't know who Albert Wesker is. You know, it's, it's silly. The assuming the identity and using like the cube to look like him on like a video message or whatever, I could just about get behind. But I mean, if fucking Resident Evil 8's trailer ends with a Wesker lookalike emerging out of a chrysalid, then no. But it it won't. It yeah. won't. Relax. I don't know. If Star Wars can bring back Palpatine. They're not, they're not, they won't. <laughs> they won't. You will give me an egg. I'll bail on Star Wars if they do. Anyway, anyway, we, dig- yeah. we digress. So let's kind of wrap up our views in, in terms of Resident Evil 5 and where it sits in the overall picture. I mean, we reviewed it before in the in the last podcast on it. Is anyone's views overall changed? Where does it sit in the, you know, top 10 of games? Stars Tyrant? Um, for me, it's, it's, it's still right up there. I don't really have a, no. a ranking or a hierarchy of the series anymore you know each game is quite different from the next and it's quite hard to sort of piece together but I mean it's certainly you know if, if there was a ranking it would be nearer the top I think time has been um, indifferent to it I don't necessarily feel any greater toward it than I did because my opinion was already quite high of it and I certainly don't feel any worse I do think it has aged very well I will say that I think to sort of follow up what people said about the cutscenes and things like that earlier, I still think they're an industry standard. The direction on the cutscenes and the, the presentation, the production value at the time was dizzying in terms of how good it was. And I still think that carries on now. I think, you know, in many ways, you would be hard pressed to find, you know, and I include even like Kojima's games on this, you know, production values better than the cutscenes of Resident Evil 5. So, in terms of just like an experience and a, you know, a storytelling experience, I still really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm someone who embraces change quite well. So, the fact it's not a camera angle, puzzle driven game in a mansion doesn't really bother me because I kind of adapted and changed with the series. So, yeah, still feel very, very positive toward it. The best of the over-the-shoulder trilogy? Of that trilogy, easily, yeah. I think in terms of an experience, it has obviously been bettered as a game experience by uh, two remakes. Uh, Batman? Yeah, pretty similar. I've always had quite a high opinion of it, although I do think in recent years, Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 2 are better games purely from just a gameplay perspective. The only thing I disagree on is I think Resident Evil 4 is more fun to play, but I rate Resident Evil 5 above it purely because the story and you know all the various elements surrounding it just ups it a little bit. But I'll always defend it. You know, I don't agree when people say it's a, it's a shit Resident Evil game and, and all that. I think it is, you know, a very worthy entry into the series. It has its moments and uh, we'll always praise the story because I think uh, it was handled really, really well. I don't think I had, uh, when I finished the game, I don't think I had any particular gripes with any of the background narrative aspects. I thought it was done really well. Uh, Rombie? Yeah, I think what's telling for me is that things have not changed. 
and in that way, it's a good game because to me, it hasn't gotten worse or better. There were things I didn't like about it to begin with. There's things I really love about it, and they haven't drastically changed, which to me is a sign of a really solid game in general. I may not like some of the gameplay elements. I may feel like certain things are padded. I may not like some of the other guys as well. I'm not very happy that the story doesn't pick up until late in the game, but the things it does right, it does really well. And as an experience, it's definitely worth it. As a gameplay experience, it's perfectly good. Like, there's nothing I could fault it horribly. The things that were wrong with it have always existed and have not changed. The cutscene direction is still spectacular. I, I think I commented on the first bit of the stream when I was watching the first cutscene. I was like, you can see Chris's jaw moving in his jawline. I was like, there are games that come out now that don't even do that like you can actually physically see the way his mouth is adjusting you know it's not just a mouth movement it's a full like you can see all the movement of his jaw moving you know there are games that don't do that now at all and so there are some spectacular decisions made and it was a tough game to follow this is the thing i don't think any of us admitted as well is that it would have been really tough to make that game after four like that was a huge game for capcom a huge game for the franchise and to follow it up with five it probably didn't hit the mark for some people at the time but i think the reason another reason why everyone's kind of a little bit more generous to it now is they kind of see where it was going at the time and then again yeah, as i jokingly said where six went as well but yeah definitely a solid game i'd still recommend replaying it to anyone to be honest uh, finally, our special guest, Sonny. Oh, boy. I've definitely warmed up to it uh, more recently over the years with reading more about the lore, listening to you guys talk about it on the previous podcast because I learned a lot um, that I previously didn't know because I probably the first time I played it, I don't know if I played it much more after that. I did not I did not enjoy it initially as, uh, as a Resident Evil game, but I didn't remember half the stuff in it. And uh, when I heard about all the story stuff and brushed up on it i did appreciate it more i still don't enjoy the fantastical elements of it which were spawned from code veronica into zero and so forth i have my gripes about the execution of, of the plot but the overall story is great it is a great co-op experience and especially with the green filter removed as a mod you could appreciate the atmosphere even more than you know than the technological uh, advancements it made in the series as a whole it's definitely better than how i initially felt about it i would praise it over raging over it <laughs> Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you for your comments and input there. I think um, it's been an interesting uh, retrospective look back on Resident Evil 5. It's been 10, I think, glorious years. I think my opening introduction spiel questioned which way it was going to go. But I think listening to everyone here, I think we're all in very similar views that the game holds up extremely well. There are elements we don't like, but overall, the story pushes it through in the same sort of way that we all kind of begrudgingly like Survivor. Gameplay-wise, perhaps not storyline-wise, lots of interesting beats, and this is almost like Survivor amped in terms of fan service and, and so forth. So I think it's been a, an interesting um, dissection of the game ten years on, so happy birthday, Resident Evil 5. And on that note, we now turn to this podcast edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. The Quiz a test of knowledge, especially as a competition between individuals or teams as a form of entertainment, usually hosted by a quiz master. Can I just ask, have you had all of these uh, questions independently verified? He doesn't even know the general knowledge stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why is, is this man the quiz master? Nick. It's not going to be one of these quizzes, is it? <laughs> I think well, we look, should be. I think we should get another question, John. Don't you? 
already fallen into controversy. It's already fallen into yeah, well, that, that to be expected. I, I'm once again Nick is at the centre of that controversy. <laughs> Absolutely. This is Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. So for the second quiz in a row, we have a special guest. Now, Sonny, I'm assuming you've listened to our quizzes before, so you know how this works. I can't wait to try and answer Vito's questions. Yes, sneak hint, we have two from Vito this week. So (laughs) clear your desktops. Let's crack on. So, standard five questions. Question number one. This starts in Resident Evil Zero. In Resident Evil Zero, what two items do you obtain when you complete the chess puzzle? Question number two, and this is the first question from Vito, and is Resident Evil 5 related? What was the assimilation rate for adult males with a type 3 plaga? <laughs> I've been looking in the files recently, so I do know this. So I'm giving myself an internal point. <laughs> <laughs> question number three. What was the alias Umbrella operated under in the private hospital in Outbreak File 2? Question number four, the uh, other question from Vito. This is quite a simple one in its execution. What was the name of the butcher shop at the beginning of the game? You see it in in all its glory as you're walking in Kajuju. What's its name? And finally, question number five. In which games does the Matilda handgun appear? (laughs) That's the five questions. Join us after this when we'll run through those answers. Hello. Hello. Hello and welcome. This is the Project Umbrella AGM. Co-Veronica is shit. Co-Veronica is shit. From I'm not even going there. Long live Umbrella Corps. Uh, he's Umbrella Corps. That, that's Batman. Star Star and me. Good night everybody. Neptune. Yeah. Oh. Far too much to drink, and we're going to make important conclusions about the Resident Evil series. Go um, on, an important conclusion be Batman. Uh, let's retcon Code Veronica out of existence and Whoa. bring Umbrella Corps to uh, RE8 and Chris Redfield for president. Uh, what? Starring your, your thoughts for the future. Resident Evil 7 is a better Resident Evil game than y'all give it credit for. Controversial thoughts. Controversial thoughts. Dead aim, folks. Dead aim. And Survivor. Look at the obscure titles. You can get so much story detail from the obscure titles. Keep them in canon, please. Outbreak, Outbreak Part 2. Important titles, important titles. As you can see, we've probably had far, far too much to drink. My voice is going. 
<laughs> that is the end of the the annual general meeting of the Project Umbrella Podcast 2019. We've made very, very important decisions about which shots we like, which shots we do not like. Thank you very much, and we'll see you soon. Episode 53 of the Project Umbrella Podcast. So welcome back to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. That little interlude you heard really does play nicely onto our thoughts, albeit drunken thoughts, of Resident Evil 5. That was an excerpt from our recent AGM in Nottingham, England, where at probably close to one o'clock in the morning, we decided to share our views on Resident Evil 5. So I hope (laughs) they made some coherent sense for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Is it scary? I don't even remember doing that (laughs) (laughs) good times good times it's a good AGM we did have a good AGM so let's have a look at those questions and answers from everyone so what number one in Resident Evil Zero what two items do you obtain when you complete the chess puzzle I'm going to go straight to our special guest Sonny what were your answers here please this is going to be a terrible experience for me (laughs) I don't know I don't remember any guesses? Uh, I feel I feel like there might have been a file concerning Marcus, but that's about it. I don't remember what other item you get. Star Tarrant? I believe it, it's Marcus' diary. I can't remember which of the two it is, and I think you get the slide filter okay. or a slide, the slide for the... The slide. Rombi? I can only remember the, the book that you pick up in the area. I don't know if that's from the chess puzzle. Um, I honestly can't remember. That's a surprisingly quite tough one. Mm. It's my question as well, believe it or not. Who would have thought? Batman. I think it's Marcus's Diary 1, and I think it's the black bat wing that you put on the scales, I think. So fitting. It was so well, there we go. The answer is Marcus's Diary, so everyone does get at least half a point. I'll let you have that one, Sonny. It's Thank the Book you. of Evil. Oh. Uh, yeah, but the bat wing's inside it. There's a book, isn't it? Uh, the bat wing's, yes. I was about to say, yes, the bat wing's inside it. In the book, but, yeah, of course. But then technically, yes, yeah. I mean, we had that issue in the last quiz, didn't we, Batman, about precisely what you pick up in the... In, in, in Wesker's <laughs> desk. <laughs> Yeah, but the bat wing is the is the item you need, not the fucking book. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm... <laughs> oh, tasty, tasty, tasty. But I'm going to let you have the point, and I'm going to let uh, Romby have the point because he said the black evil book. So there we go. That's enough. So a point for Batman, half a point for everyone else. Question number two was: What was the assimilation rate for adult males? Uh, Stars time. We'll start with you for this one. I have no idea. I just guessed eighty-five percent. Eighty-five percent. Romby. Sixty percent. I have no idea. Sixty percent. Batman. 92. One for 92. Sonny, what did you put? I'm going to be honest with you, because I'm piggybacking off of Batman, I'm just going to say 92. (laughs) (laughs) I can't possibly accept. Just don't. I I don't know the answer. Did you have a percentage? It might not be right. No, I, I did not. I have no clue. Okay, so the answer's 80... No, it's 92%. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Question number three. What was the alias umbrella operated under the private hospital in Outbreak 2? Batman, start with you for this one. I'm pretty sure this is a localisation error. It's called Drugs Inc. in the English, but I don't think that exists in the Japanese. I think it's a a translation cockle. Okay. Uh, Starstone? I have no idea. Oh, okay. 
Rombi? Same. My history of uh, Outbreak, uh, terrible. Absolutely terrible. Okay. Sonny, I'm expecting you knew this one, having been an, uh, an Outbreak streamer. Hey, uh, Sean, when's that next stream? <laughs> yeah, it's flashback <laughs> next as well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, basically, what I'm saying is... <laughs> It is Drugs Inc, and uh, thank you, Batman, for enlightening me as well. I was unaware that it was a translation error. So, but yes, Drugs Inc is at least in the English version. Again, I, I believe it or not, I knew that one. I would have got a point. Question number four. This was Vito's other question. What is the name of the butcher shop? <sighs> I thought I knew this, and my answer, if I was not the quiz master, I'm not sure I would have given it to me, but there we go. I'll give you my answer later. Rob, we'll start with you first, though. Uh, corner something. I can't remember the bloody name. I just remember corner. I was looking at it, too, when we were doing the stream, because I was wandering around while we were looking at the lag. I can't remember. Corner something, either. Uh, Sonny? I'm embarrassed, because I just did the RE5 stream, and I don't remember either. Guys, guys. It's just, it's just, it's so bad. Does that See, I want to say it's Pygmy Butcher, but it wouldn't be called that. But it's something like that. Right. I can't remember the corner, though. So it maybe is. It's not Corner Pygmy, is it? Why would it be called Pygmy? Pygmy is <laughs> a ridiculous name. Batman? I only know this because we've had this question at least. I'm sure we've had it more than once before. <laughs> Have we? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's the Corner Pygmy Butchery. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> is it? Oh, we, I apologise if we've had it. I'm enough. sure we've had it more than once before that question. <laughs> well, then there's no excuse to rob and Sars Tyrant. There's no excuse at all. It is corner pie me butchery. I will be in exactly the same boat as uh, Stars that I would have said corner pigby. Whether I would have given myself that point, I'm not sure. But so I basically would... got it right, but for a letter. Oh uh, yeah, you didn't say corner though. No, I didn't know. To so... be honest, I'd forgotten the corner. Bit. So interesting. Does it actually say it in the dialogue as well, or is it just referred to as the butcher shop? I think it's just referred to as the butcher shop, is it? Hmm. the town butchers, or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Final question for redemption: In what games does the Matilda hand? And, and by that I mean specifically the name Matilda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay. I'm not a gun expert, so perhaps it's appeared in other games, but it may have not been referred to as Matilda. Right, Sunny, start with you. Okay, so just the name, right? Just the name where it's yeah, where it's classified as the Matilda handgun. RE4, Umbrella Chronicles, Darkside Chronicles. Um, I'm not sure if ORC has it. And I want to say that it was referred to as such in Remake 2. I'm fuzzy on ORC and Umbrella Core or Revelations. If they, if it has in bonus, I'll just modes, name all but... the games, Sonny, because <laughs> I'm name, I'm name them all. I'm name every single game. Every single... <laughs> RE4, uh, Umbrella Chronicles, Darkside Chronicles, and I'll go with Remake 2 and ORC. Rob, uh, Remake 2 for, and I remember it in Operation Raccoon City. I can't remember which of the Chronicles games, if any, but I don't remember it being in Dark Side Chronicles, so I'm guessing Umbrella Chronicles, but I'm not 100% on that. Okay. Batman? Uh, Resident Evil 4, Umbrella Core, and just because it's Leon, I'm going to say Dark Side Chronicles, but I'm not sure. Star's turn? I believe it's RE4, I think it's in Umbrella Core, and it's in Two Make. It's not describe the in-game graphics i think are the matilda in dark side chronicles but i think it's only ever referred to as the handgun because it's just the basic one you always upgrade so they're my three re4 umbrella core and two make i'm pleased to say some person has got it right resident evil 4 remake 2 umbrella chronicles and operation raccoon city so it's a point to rob 
Fucking yes. Well done. Shit. I, I, I had it all except for Darkseid. I was going to give the point because I thought that he's got them all bar one, but then Rob outdid you and got it bang on. It well is done. exactly what Sean said because I remember the but default handgun isn't referred to as such in Darkseid Chronicles. So that's where we go to. And I remember because you can unlock files and extra weapons for, for Africa and Umbrella Chronicles. So. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah, it fucking was in Operation Raccoon City as well. well isn't that yeah. an Umbrella Core at all, is it? It's not an Umbrella Core, no. What yeah. a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have gun questions often, so there we go. So let's no. have let's have a look at those final scores. Way out in front, this week's winner, Redemption after last podcast, showing Batman with four out of five. Well done, sir. Oi, thank you. Second place, one and a half points is Rombi, and joint third is Stars Tyrant and <laughs> our guest Sunny Bar with 0.5. As Barry would say, I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> That was a very good impression. (laughs) I tried. (laughs) That does conclude the quiz, so join us next time when we'll have some more questions. So we are now essentially wrapping up our Resident Evil 5 podcast. I'd like to say thank you to everyone for joining us. Um, coming us soon, we will be testing very dangerous waters because the Resident Evil Gaiden podcast approaches us like a bad smell. We <laughs> never thought when we started this podcast we would ever do such games, and yet here we are, uh, having done a Survivor 2 podcast and a Gaiden podcast, which in fact, by definition, would be our second Gaiden podcast. What the hell's wrong with us? But there we go. <laughs> so that's coming soon at some point. And we're also going to do um, what I'm colloquially calling an AMA podcast and ask me, well, not me personally, but ask us anything podcast. This will be recorded on our Discord server, uh, whereupon we will set a time and us folks will log on and then everyone can log on to the voice channel and ask us questions. This is going to be very much a follow up from our community Resident Evil 2 remake podcast, which we uh, labelled as a 0.5, and I think we're going to follow suit with our AMA podcast. So we'll keep you updated when we're going to do that. Hopefully people turn up, otherwise it's just going to be us talking to ourselves, which we do enough of already. Um, So the more people that can join the Discord and log in when we do it, the better, because then we can just have a a free reign on whatever you want to ask Batman. Why does he hate Co-Veronica so much? What is wrong with it? Those type of questions. But there is only a number of times you can ask him that. So come up with a- anything else. You know, what's wrong with zero? Uh, is six any good? That, that type of thing. We, we can we can have an open forum for everyone to get involved. He, he's lining up, waiting for the naysayers about Whisker. That's what he's really hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> Might be unavailable for this podcast. Then. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in the same boat. He's dead. D E D dead. <laughs> so uh, any comments that you want join along uh, feel free we'll keep you posted with that Nick, um, yes. I'm just going to ask you we also need to revisit the second feature film at some point I know you guys are so thrilled about it <laughs> we bought them all yes we are going Ooh. to we, we are going to be doing our second audio Nick, commentary on Apocalypse Nick cracked the wallet open and shout out 50p so. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yes, that will be coming soon. We'll also have, um, I'm in the process of starting our 4D Executor video as well. So that will be also to keep an eye out for that. So on that note, it is goodbye for me, Neptune. Goodbye for me, Batman. Goodbye for me, Stars Tyrant. Goodbye for me, Rombie. Goodbye for me, Sonny Bauer. Thanks again for having me. Ten minutes. Ten minutes is all I can spare to play with you. Poor performance indeed. Only those with superior DNA will be chosen by Ouroboros. Let me clarify something for you, Cress. I don't think of myself as a king. No, I am a god, and even kings bow to gods. I expected more from you. How disappointing. Pitiful. You're finished! No, this can't be! You bitch!